favor to be able to uh, share God's word with you. Um, the other night, uh, Terry and I were at a uh, Christmas gathering at a friend's house, and we had a, a really um, good time. By the way, can you hear me okay in there now? Everything okay? Good, good. Um, and uh, it was a great night, and after kind of a late dinner and dessert, um, the guys, the men, felt like we needed some caffeine and uh, some coffee, which is kind of a sign that we're getting old because uh, it gets past our bedtimes and we need coffee to stay out any later. Um, so we asked the host if that was okay, and he said, sure, sure. He was busy doing some other things. Go in the kitchen, coffee maker or whatever is on the counter. So we went over there, and there was um, this silver machine that's like a big old box, and I had never personally seen or used anything like it, and it had like a digital, you know, LCD display on it, basically, and and three or four different spouts that came out of it, and we probably spent a minute or two just looking at it, wondering, what is this, and how do you use it? And so finally, uh, one of us uh, pressed the, the screen, and you got to understand, at my home on the counter sits uh, 1999 Target Mr. Coffee, you know, black, got one of those glass coffee pots, you know, some of you still have that, right? Pour the water in, put the beans in, and there you go. There's one switch, on and off, that's all it does, brew or not brew. This, you turn on the screen, and there's like 15 different coffee options that you can pick from, and I can't even remember them all, but it's like espresso, cappuccino, you know, latte, coffee was down the line somewhere, and after a little bit of, of staring at it, one of the, the guys got a little bit brave and decided that he was going to go ahead and just press a button and uh, hoped coffee would come out. What came out was out of one of the spouts was a big old stream of steam that almost burned his hand, but thankfully he moved it real quick and uh, we were safe. He decided to press another button and this time coffee came out and we were like, yes, success, but all that came out was about as much as you might put in uh, one of those cups you use with mouthwash or something. So we would be there all day if we'd get the coffee in that size increments. And while we're standing there, I'm thinking, they've really complicated something that's pretty easy. I mean, Mr. Coffee, on-off switch, beans in, water in, here comes your coffee. Um, I kind of miss... Oh, good old Mr. Coffee. You know, I, I think sometimes our culture has done that with the entire season of Christmas. Complicated. And I'm not just talking about the complications that come with all of the details that are part of Christmas, because that gets complicated too, but that's, that's a different sermon for a different Christmas. I'm talking about how the message of Christmas gets complicated? If you don't know what I mean by that, I thought I'd flash up a picture to crystallize what I mean. Complicated, right? I mean, I know not everyone can see that, but there's the Incredible Hulk up on the, uh, the um, whatever you call that, the banister. That's not the banister. That's uh, 
what's that called? Porch? I don't know. Porch. There's a, a Tickle Me Elmo there, and uh, it looks like one of the Simpsons with a skeleton costume. I don't know why there's a pumpkin out there. A Frosty the Snowman. And if you look to the right um, near the chimney, you see Santa Claus uh, climbing the chimney up to the Star of Bethlehem. But there's two of them. Um, complicated. Give me Mr. Coffee. We live in a world, a country, that complicates Christmas so much so that some of us, unless you're here tonight, feel nervous to say Merry Christmas, right? What message should I give or not give? Tonight, what I'd like to do is just spend a few minutes with you uncomplicating Christmas. I want you to leave tonight absolutely sure about what Christmas is about, and that's it. That's the goal. That's God's goal through this section we're going to read tonight. I'm just going to reread some verses from what we read earlier in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So the shepherds are out in this field between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Um, People, biblical scholars, historians will say, that these were special shepherds in the sense that they were watching special sheep. The sheep between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, because these two towns are so close to each other, in fact, Jerusalem was kind of a suburb, or Bethlehem was kind of a suburb of Jerusalem, were thought or pretty much validated. Those sheep were the ones that were used for the temple sacrifices. So these shepherds are out in the fields, all of a sudden there's this huge light out in the sky, and it's an angel, and he says, I bring you good news of great joy. That's what Christmas is about. It's about news. In fact, the word for good news there, for you uh, people who go to church regularly, you may have heard the word gospel. It's the same word for gospel, the good message, the good news. What's news? It's information. You know what it's the opposite of? News is the opposite of, I bring you a way to live, to get into the good graces of God. News is something you hear, and good news is something you feel bad or good about. Um, When when I'm home on Saturdays, which my kids, I think, uh, will see probably I'm glad that I'm not home that much um, on Saturdays, I don't always bring them good news. The opposite of good news is my list that I give them for chores on Saturday morning. It's an entire list of things to do. And sometimes not only Christmas, but Christianity gets complicated by people. Where they think that more than anything, it's a way to get into the good graces of God. 
that more than anything, it's, it's a way to reform your life so God might love you. And the reality is, is that the angels were so curious. This is just something to hear and to know that Christmas is all about good news that brings great joy. What kind of news of great joy? Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. God's given us the greatest gift that we could ever ask for. And sometimes I I think that gifts um, don't really become as special or we don't uh, appreciate them as much until we recognize how much we need them. For instance, uh, when I was a kid, like, it was a downer every time you opened a gift and it was socks and underwear. You know, you had to give the polite smile, especially if it was your grandparents, you know. Thanks, Grandma, but your mind was like, your heart was like, let's push it aside. And what else you got, Grandma, right? Now, what if you had no socks? That's kind of weird. You could, um, how about this? What if you lived in Minnesota and you had no winter jacket and you got a jacket for Christmas? And all of a sudden, this this piece of clothing, which otherwise we may not be that excited about, becomes something that is so, so, so valuable. You cannot truly appreciate the gift of a Savior until you recognize, until I recognize how much I need saviors. Where I would be if God did not send his son. And sacrifice Jesus made to come to earth. I uh, read a commentary about, or it was kind of a, a book about Christmas, and it asked the question that if the ants needed saving, weird question, would you become an ant? If the frogs needed saving, would you become a frog? Humanity needed saving, and Jesus did something more extraordinary than that. He became a human being. This is all we've known. Our existence, who we are, the struggles of a sinful world that we live in. Jesus knew the difference. He lived in the palaces of heaven, and he decided to come here and take that all on. The God who created everything willing to be born. The the God, Jesus, who created all the laws of nature, (laughs) lived under the laws and rules of Joseph and Mary as a child. The God who doesn't need anything decides to get hungry at times and, and cold and hot. In his coming, we truly see good news because Jesus did not have to come to us, but he made this tremendous sacrifice at Christmas and came to this earth and didn't stop there, did he? He did not stop with his work until he had paid for all of our sins in full. 
that's some good news. But it's nice to know that's a gift for me, right? Let's un- uncomplicate Christmas a little bit more. The angel appeared to shepherds. Now let's, let's talk about those shepherds for a moment. Shepherds in this time and at this, in this culture was, were on the low rung of society's ladder. Um, they were lived out with their sheep, as Luke writes, and so showers were not very prevalent. I guess showers weren't prevalent at all back then, but you know, washing regularly was not very prevalent. They got dirty and smelly and yucky. In fact, there were rules about how close sheep and their shepherds could be to town. Because you get thousands of sheep in a certain area, and you don't want to walk there, right? Shepherds lived and slept with them. And in fact, according to uh, Jewish law, this wasn't found in the Bible, but according to Jewish law, Shepherds were actually not only outcasts of society, they were also outcasts of the religious establishment. Because according to the rabbis, because of their lifestyle and where they lived, they could never become ceremonially clean, which meant a shepherd was never allowed in the temple, which is so weird because here they are raising all of these sheep to be slaughtered or to be sacrificed in the temple, and yet they themselves can't go there. Outcasts. And yet, when God decides, who's going to hear about Jesus being born first? Who are the first people the angel's going to appear to? He doesn't pick the rich. He doesn't pick the mighty. He doesn't pick the powerful. He picks these guys on the low end of society's rung or ladder. He picks these guys that felt like outcasts. And he tells them first. In Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. And they're not only the first ones to hear it, they're the first ones that we know of to see that newborn Savior, Jesus. You know what this uh, tells us? tells us the, the same thing that verse 10 does. Joy for who? For you? For me? For all people. See, some of you have stayed away from church for a while or once a year because you don't feel like you fit the mold. You don't feel like fit in with God. Some of us feel like some skeletons in our closet, some baggage that we've been carrying around has never quite helped us feel as close to God as what we would like. And even if you don't feel either of those things, every single one of us struggle every single day with actions and thoughts that just are not the way we want them to be. And just like the shepherds, daily we're in the muck of sheep. You and I, like them, are daily in the muck of our sin, aren't we? 
And even on our worst days, though, this message that the Savior was for all people, this fact that the angel came to the shepherds first is our greatest joy. To know that this Savior was for me. And this Savior was for you. In fact, as that little baby grew, it's interesting, he hung out with all the people that no one else would hang out with. The tax collectors, one of them was his disciple, Matthew. Prostitutes, he would share the message with. Ghosts no one wanted to touch, like lepers or lepers or demon-possessed. Those that were sort of ostracized, like the crippled and the lame. These were people that Jesus went to. Because he came, just like the angels announced. For all people. What an amazing show of love that is, and what amazing confidence we can have knowing that Jesus came for all people. A few years ago, probably five now, let's say, a group of uh, people from Bethlehem um, went over to Israel on a, a trip, and we went to a number of places um, in Israel to see where Jesus lived and walked. And uh, one of our stops was in a um, city in the in the city of Jordan, you've probably heard of Amman, Jordan. And I'll, I'll say this, that for as westernized as Israel is, um, Jordan was a little bit different. Um, it's a very Arabic, Islamic country, and so the, the language is much different. Um, the, the culture is much different than westernized Israel. And I would say, I don't know how other everyone else felt, but I, I felt a little uncomfortable it wasn't as safe as Israel. And so one night we were in the hotel, and we're out in the lobby just talking about 20, about 20 of us Americans, when all of a sudden this large mob of Jordanians come into the lobby, starting yelling and, 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 and hollering, and we're standing there, at least I am, like sweating, and, you know, pastors... You know, they know to pray, and that's what I was doing. I was praying, right? I mean, I'm in the middle of a riot. Is this what happens when you don't pay your hotel bill? I don't know what's going on, but I am scared. We watch a little bit more, and what it was was a Jordanian wedding procession complete with yelling and chants and dancing and walking and and jumping, and we, 20 white Americans, are right in the middle of this wedding procession, and I'm not quite sure what to do, because I know, you know, the angel said the good news is all for all people, but I know this Jordanian wedding is not for all people. <laughs> and as we were about to run for cover, The father of the bride comes over by us and says, hey, we've got uh, food upstairs. We've got the wedding feast upstairs. You want to come with us? Some of us did. How unlikely. 
what your background is or how unlikely it is in your mind that the Father in heaven would invite you to spend eternity with him. That's exactly what he did for you. Christmas, Jesus' birth, this message of the angel is your proof, your confidence that the simple message of Christmas is that you have a Savior and a home waiting for you in heaven. Remember my uh, experience with that silver coffee machine? Well, after struggling with it for a while, the uh, host came into the kitchen to check out uh, why we were taking so long. And uh, he came in, explained how it worked, pressed two buttons, and I had the best cup of coffee that I'd ever tasted. I don't like Mr. Coffee Machine, but I want one of those things. It's amazing when the complicated becomes simple. May you have an uncomplicated, simple faith. At this time, our ushers will be gathering um, our thank offering. Um, one.